you have your Bible, if you turn with me, please, to the book of Judges this morning again. This will be, according to my count, which is not always accurate, but close. According to my count, this will be 54, the 54th sermon that I've brought from the book of Judges since we started. Today's the 54th sermon in our attempt to go expositionally through the book of Judges. Chapter 7 this morning and verse 9 through 15 will be our text of consideration. Judges uh, 7 and verse 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, that is, of course, unto Gideon in this context you're familiar, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Phura, thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Phura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. That's, of course, the host of the Midianites. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent. Now, just translationally, so you know and get the meaning the best, the word a tent, a, is actually in the Hebrew, it's the word the. It didn't just come to any tent. It came to the tent is the specific meaning, and I'll say more about that another time. But the cake of barley tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto the tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay alone. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped, and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. 
turn there in a moment to look at that text. Before we do, if you would stand with me again, please, and sing together again, number 511. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink, though pressed by every foe, that will not tremble on the brink of any worthy woe, that will not murmur nor complain, Beneath the chastening rod, but in the hour of grief or pain, will lean upon its God. A faith that shines more bright and clear when tempests rage without. That when in danger knows no fear, in darkness feels no doubt. That bears unmoved the world's dread frown, nor heeds its scornful smile. That seas of trouble cannot drown, nor Satan's hearts beguile. A faith that keeps the narrow way, till life's life power is fled. And with a pure and heavenly ray Lights up a dying man Lord, give us such a faith as this And then whate'er may come We'll taste in here the hallowed bliss of an eternal home. They can be seated. A short message probably this morning. Arise. And get thee down. As we return to our studies this morning in the book of Judges, chapter 7, we've come to this portion now from verse 9 through verse 15. We finished our last message a couple of weeks ago. Last week we looked at a different place. But we finished up the last message that I brought in the book of Judges a couple of weeks ago in verse 8 with those 
final words in verse 8 where we find that the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. Solemn in their pronouncement and almost paralyzing in their poignancy. The host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. All that has led up to this hour in this record, all of those things that transpired, you'll remember, in chapter 6, and all the things that have transpired up to this point in chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, all of this is now past. And the hour for conflict has now well and truly come. Gideon has met God, you remember, back in the wine press. He's witnessed God in the fires coming out of the rock. He's watched God's deliverance by the hands of his own idol-worshiping father from that riotous mob. He's watched God's armies amass around him at the sound of his trumpet call. And then he's watched as God, this same God, siphoned most of them off, leaving only 300 armed volunteers in the face of a Midianite army of 135 warriors. All of this Gideon has seen and known and experienced. But now, now when we come to verse 9, these ravenous hordes of Midianite idolaters are still there, just over there beneath him. And the specific order which he has long dreaded has finally come. Verse 9, the Lord said to him, Arise, get thee down. Arise, get thee down. Says our Lord, I've gotten everything ready. Just go down now. Tonight, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Just in the reading of these words, if we could put ourselves in this scene, one can almost feel, could I use that word? One could almost feel the consternation that must have overshadowed poor Gideon's soul. His hands might have begun to quiver. His mouth suddenly felt dry and his pulse starts racing until he could hear his own heartbeat in his own ears. As this angel finally says to him, Go down now, Gideon. Go down. The time has come. This is the time 
And this is the place. Go down now. Tonight. Oh, I ask you this morning, what saint that's walked with God for any time at all, what saint is there that has not been in this place? The thing you've dreaded, the thing you've been reluctant to face, the thing that you've been experiencing consternation and fear about and tossings like Gideon has done up to this place in this chapter. All of that has come and now the time has come and the Lord has given you a task. He's worked in His providence to bring you to it. He's exercised your faith and caused it to grow. You've seen His hand. You've known His leadership. But now, now it's time to go down into that great valley. Into that great battle. The one you've most feared and shunned. Saying something like Gideon said in chapter 6 verse 15. Wherewith Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Me. You're going to save Israel by me. How can that be? And the Lord has worked time and time and time again. But now, it's time to go down. Matthew Henry Wells said that Gideon was so reduced that he must now fight by faith or not at all. Only faith is left to him now. Flesh has failed. Indeed, as I said, God has, the odds were already horrendous. But God has siphoned off even that. And the only thing left for him now is pure, raw faith. When this angel comes in verse 9 and says, okay, get in tonight. Go down. Gideon still has. Notice with me that even in, in this command, even incorporated in the command, our God's consolations are not only strong but timely. Gideon still has the only thing he ever really has had, and that is God's promise. God's word. That's all he's ever really had. From the very beginning, if you'll go back to the wine press and listen to the angel, the first thing he said to him, I've given you these Midianites. He promised Gideon. He made a promise. And now, tonight, it's time to go. And all he has is what he's always had. God's promise. Gideon has his word of command. He says, arise. And then he has his word of promise. I have delivered it into thine own hand. Word of command, a word of promise. Gideon has his word 
Oh, on what must Gideon rely now? Surely not the flesh. Now, as never before, he must rely on his bare word. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, as I reminded you a moment ago, he's seen fire come out of a rock in chapter 6 and verse 21. He's seen the very elements of dew and earth and nature bow to this angel's sovereign will in chapter 6, verse 37 through 40. He's seen all of that, but now, but now, it's not nature that Gideon faces, but 135 armed warriors. Now he stands naked before God and men and must act in simple faith. I said he must act in simple faith. Oh, my dear beloved saint, I preached this to you already, this point, but I must press it on your heart again. Every move of God in your life Every hill that he's had you to climb, every valley he's had you to traverse, every exercise and every strain is designed to move your heart from faith to faith. Romans 1 at 17. All the way from that first hour when faith was birthed in your heart, that gift of God was given to you to trust him for the first time, from that very first moment until that last trembling hour when faith shall be cast off with this mortal flesh and sight will render it useful no more. All the way, he's preparing you to trust him more. Trust him more. But until that final hour, until that final hour, when faith will no longer be needed, our God will draw you continually to greater heights of confidence in His bare word. No support from the flesh. No anticipation of help from any other corner. Nothing, nothing, nothing but this. Nothing but faith. Richard Rogers in 1615 said this, God will have us to know that the trial of our faith, the trial of our faith is much more precious than gold that perishes. And therefore sendeth us many trials as he did to Gideon that although there seemed to be no great matter in them, yet indeed to him that weigheth it aright, it is found to be far otherwise. For both we see thereby our weakness, which we should not otherwise think to be such as it is, and by little and little we grow out of it and gather experience and hope against it, which in time are greatly to our comfort. And surely if Gideon, if Gideon so many trials in one duty doing 
Let not us plead for exemption from many. Though we have already endured some, and although we can say others are free from them and have few, oh, pray for few, if it would be in His mercy to favor us so. And if not, pray, pray, pray for faith to walk in obedience. Pray for faith to walk in obedience. Oh, the time has come, Gideon. It's tonight. Tonight. This same night, verse 9. Arise and go down. Tonight. Oh, he has moved from faith to faith. We've watched him. Studying this record, we've watched him. We've watched him move from faith to faith to faith. Now he's going to have to move again. And this time everything, everything is on the line. Oh, Johnson. Johnson Oatman. Johnson Oatman in the late 1800s wrote out his desire. In this matter, when he wrote it, and you'll recognize it, I'm pressing on the upward way, he said, Mr. Oatman. New heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay, said Mr. Oakland. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fear to dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, mine, is higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught a joyful sound, a song of saints on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch the gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray, still I'll pray, still I'll pray. Till heaven I found, Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Hallelujah. Get in. It's going to have to move on to higher ground on faith. On faith. Dear old Richard Rogers again in 1615 said, God brings Gideon to the full-blown battle only by degrees nearer and nearer to the enemy in order to fortify his heart and acclimate it. But the only real remedy for a deep heartfelt fear is to be found in the advanced confrontation of it. Through renewed preparations and fortifications in God's reiterated promises. And so it is here. 
verse 9. He says again. He says again what he said over and over. I have given them into thine hand. Rogers would tell us that it's the renewing of those promises over reiterated. That was, by the way, a clue word. We called it a clue word when I was in school. When a teacher's teaching it, she says something. In a few minutes, she says it again. She says, now I want to reiterate. Well, that you better get a clue. You're going to see that again. If she reiterated it, she's going to, you're going to see that again. And Richard Rogers said in 1615, God will prepare us for these battles, fortifications, fortify our hearts when God reiterates his promises. <laughs> oh, had he not said all the way back in chapter 6 and verse 14, had he not said, Thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites? Isn't that the first thing he said to Gideon? Had he not said again in chapter 7 and verse 7, By the 300 men that left, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Had he not said it again in verse 9, I have delivered it into thy hand. Over and over the promises. God, go back Gideon. Go back to the promises. As that word comes to his heart, that night, tonight, Gideon, arise and go down. I'll fortify you for it. I'll give you the promise again. It's the same promise. I'm giving it to you again. Go back to the promises. Can I say to you, Saint, this morning, don't grow reluctant to go back to an old fountain and drink fresh waters again. Don't hesitate to go back to an old fountain and drink fresh waters again. I don't know if it was a year ago or not long ago. I took some, my wife and I went, I think Emrick was with us, went back to the old home place in South Carolina where I grew up and my old Uncle Bill's house, he never had a well in his life to drink from spring water. <clears throat> never had electricity to pump the water. He had a ram, pumped it up to the house. But the spring was always open and there was a gourd hanging there. And boys like me and my cousins, we'd run in the pastures and get hot. And then we'd go back down to that fountain, go back down to that spring. Oh, that water just... Bubble up out of that sand. I can see it now. But you could always go back. And there'd be fresh water. Bubbling up. Oh, can I tell you, Saint, if God has visited you and helped you from some fountain in this book, don't hesitate to go back and drink again. Drink again from that old fountain. Oh, only your enemy Satan would bar you from these fountains. 
I've fairly worn out certain pages in my Bible. If you look at my Bible that I've had for years, you'll find out there are certain pages in it that are fairly worn out. And I may have worn out those pages, but I haven't worn out God's patience with my infirmity. And as this record will clearly show, God never tires of you coming back and drinking from an old fountain. He reiterates Gideon I've told you And I've told you And I've told you But I'm telling you again I've given them to you 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 There hath no temptation Taken you But such as is common to man But God God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able? What is that? Oh, that's one of those fountains. That's one of those fountains. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, uh, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is that, preacher? It's one of those fountains. Hallelujah. It's one of those fountains. I can go and drink again. Go back. Go back. All these two I've given you but there's a thousand other fountains I could lead you to today. Oh, when the enemy spreads out before you as he did with Gideon, when the enemy seems to be spread out before you like grasshoppers in number verse 12, and camels are in your struggling heart to the multitudes that they seem like sands of the seaside in multitudes when you face these things and God has laid some burden on your back or some task in your hand that overwhelms your heart, go back to the promises. Go back to the promises. Satan is a liar and your flesh is unreliable. But God is always faithful. We'll all face that. My dear sister Oliver, we'll all face that. We'll face that ultimate day. When all the flesh has failed us, even our own. And in naked faith, set before us a river. Go back to the promises. Go back to the promises. Rogers said, Since thou, Lord, since thou, Lord, givest the shoulders, lay on whatever burden thou pleasest. For underneath are the everlasting arms. Hallelujah. Could I just show you this morning? 
very quickly, and I'll close. Could I just show you the grace and omniscience, could I say prescience, of our God in our text? Poor Gideon is still struggling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's still struggling. <laughs> oh, how much comfort I've taken in these weeks studying Gideon. I'm like him in one respect and unlike him in another. I'm unlike him in that everything God lays on him, he just obeys. I wish I could say that. But I am like him in this. He just keeps on struggling. He's still got fear. We're going to find that out next week. But he's still struggling. Still struggling. Notwithstanding that he has seen and experienced all those things, he's still struggling. I hope none of us here this morning would be critical of him. I hope he wouldn't. I'd be like being critical of Job and joining in with his friends. I hope you're not critical of Gideon that he's still struggling. But God, here's what I want you to get. God sees our heart. Whoa! <laughs> he whom Isaiah 42.3 tells us will not quench a smoking flax. Or crush a bruised reed. He sees the wandered, wounded heart. He sees the troubled mind. Oh, hallelujah. He even hears. I've always been amazed with this text in Genesis 21, 17. He even hears the quiet cries of a single hungry baby in a vast expanse of endless wilderness. Isn't that wonderful? You ever meditated on that? Over there in Genesis 21. Little baby's over there whining and whimpering. He's hungry. And God comes to his mother and says, I heard him. I heard him cry. All of us men remember our wives when we had babies in our house. Lord of mercy, I think they could just move the sheet and she'd wake up out of the deepest sleep. Never did understand it. I couldn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Sometimes I could even sleep through the crying for a little bit. But all that child could just roll over. Boom! She's out of the bed. She heard it. Here's this child out there in that wilderness. Oh, baby. Fast wilderness. Starts to cry and God comes down and says, I heard that. Oh, listen to me, Saint. God hears you. God hears you when you cry. He even hears the quiet cries of a single hungry baby in the wilderness. God's hearing is even stronger than a mother's. Verse 10, but if thou fear to go down. (laughs) Whoa, can you hear me now? God already knew his heart. Gideon didn't say anything. But God was looking on his heart. 
He said, if thou fear to go down. <laughs> oh, our God knew that he was still afraid. Oh, I may well be speaking to some precious soul here this morning who's wrestled long like Gideon with a promise from God. And even after all of his good providence toward you and all that he's allowed you to see and all the way that he's led you, you're still struggling with fear or doubt. Come here and see that he already knows. He already knows. Oh, what a comfort that is in my heart. He already knows. Oh, come here and see our God's tender compassion. Come here and see that he already knows and he's already made a provision. Verse 10, he says, get in. I know your heart. Boy, do you remember that over there in John chapter 1, verse 48? The Lord Jesus said, I know your heart, Nathaniel. I know your heart. Before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. <laughs> I already knew. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, what did he say about the prophet? He said, I knew thee. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. God already knows. When you go from verse 9 in that startling hour has come. That startling hour has come. Arise, Gideon, it's time to get up tonight and go down there. And then he says, but, but if thou fear to go down, God already knows. Oh, my beloved friend, this morning, our God knows what it is you're struggling with. He knows, and he's already made provision for it. Hallelujah. God willing, we'll see that next week. I want you to see what God's already provided for Gideon's weakness. Turn with me in your hymn book, if you will, please. Number 505 in your hymn book. And if you will, please stand with me. And we sing together. Number 505. Faith is a precious grace. Where'er it is bestowed, it boasts a high celestial birth. It is the gift of God. Stand with me, please.
Faith is a precious grace Where'er it is bestowed It boasts a high celestial birth And is the gift of God Jesus it owns as King and all atoning priest, it claims no merit of its own, but looks for all in Christ. To him it leads the soul, when filled with deep distress, Flies to the fountain of his blood and trusts his righteousness. Since tis thy work alone and that divinely free, Lord, send the Spirit of thy Son to work this faith in me.